0: Welcome to Hancock Conversations, an Allen Hancock College podcast. Join President Dr. Kevin G. Walters and members of the Hancock community as they explore the stories behind the people and places that make Allen Hancock College the unique hub for learning that it is today.
1: You're sure to learn something new and even have a little fun along the way. Hello, and welcome to... Hancock Conversations, I'm Kevin Walters, the Superintendent-President of Allen Hancock College. I'm joined today by Alejandra Inciso, a member of the Allen Hancock College Board of Trustees. Alejandra represents Central Santa Maria and the community of Guadalupe. She currently works as the Program Director for Community Partners in Caring and is the co-owner of Revolution Choreography in Santa Maria. Trustee Inciso was born in Santa Maria but raised in Guadalupe. She's a first-generation Latino American, first-generation college graduate, and a Hancock alumnus. So we're happy to have you here with us today. Thanks for coming.
0: Hi, everybody. Hi, the Bulldog family. How are you guys? I hope you guys are doing good.
1: (laughs) So why don't you give us a little uh, bit of background on yourself and uh, um, maybe what led you to come to Hancock as a student and then what led you back as a trustee?
0: Yeah, so um, growing up, um, my parents had... Very minimal education. My mom went to third grade in Mexico, and my dad um, came to the U.S. when he was 12 or 13. I can't remember exactly. He went one year at McKenzie, which is, was in those days was called Main Street Middle School. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went to Rigetti, where he actually started um, the Barima Band and soccer teams there uh, with Mr. Gavaldón Sr., Um, And so growing up, my parents would always say, your only job as a a kid is to go to school. So um, they knew that if I wanted to get ahead and not work, have labor intensive jobs that I had to go to school.
1: That's awesome, and that, you know we see that in a lot in our farm families, right? When we talk to them and we ask if uh, they want their kids to go to school, they're absolutely one hundred percent want their kids to go to college. They understand the importance of doing that, right?
0: Yeah, my parents knew that um, they didn't have the opportunities that I would have if I went to school. They gave me, they allowed me to go on field trips, seventy National Park, to uh, Washington D.C., to Mexico, um, all throughout, like from starting from. the Very, you know, from pre K to all the way to high school and then in college, I traveled more. And they were always very um, excited that I was this little girl from Guadalupe that got out. (laughs) That's nice.
1: So tell me what your parents did for a living.
0: So, my dad, um, for the first 13 years of my life, was um, a migrant farm worker in Lettucefield. So, he would do the migrant, uh, he would do the track. From Santa Maria to Salinas to Yuma, and we would migrate uh, as we were kids. My mom cut strawberries and chilies growing up, and then um, she had a we had a car accident, and then she started doing childcare at home. And then when she had my sister, after that, she decided to do. She started her own business in um, cleaning houses.
1: Nice. Yeah. So hardworking people, and they wanted to make sure that you guys had everything that they didn't get growing up
0: yeah they um they really worked hard my dad after after working the lettuce fields he went to go work for michael jackson's ranch <laughs> <laughs> he started in the gardening and then he went into the zoo and he had a wonderful time there I, he I, he still talks about it he's very excited about that time in his life
1: you <laughs> <laughs> might need to schedule him for some stories that sounds pretty good yeah <laughs> So, uh, you came to Hancock, you were a stellar student, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then you transferred, and tell us about where you transferred to.
0: I went to Cal State Northridge. Um, I have friends from future leaders that were in Oxnard County, and they transferred to CSUN, and I thought that would be a great space. It was far enough not to be at home <laughs> as mm-hmm. a first-generation student, but it was close enough that if there was an emergency, I can drive home.
1: So let's talk about the Future Leaders experience. So Future Leaders of America is a a Central Coast organization, primarily Santa Barbara and uh, Northwest Ventura County, that really trains uh, Latino young people Leadership roles. So, talk about your experience with that.
0: Yeah, so I started way back in the day when Hilda Sacarias was still directing. Another board member. Another bro- <laughs> board member. <laughs> and um, I wasn't an A student. I was never uh, like a perfect A straight A student. I was more of a uh, BC student. Um, I had a I have a learning disability. So, my learning disability is in comprehension and writing and reading. And so, um, one of the teachers at McKinsey, uh, I can't remember which teacher told me to apply, but I, I I would be doing good if I did it. And I remember in the late 90s, um, we were experiencing a lot of gang-related activities, and so I hung out with a lot of those folks. And they're like, Alejandra, you don't engage in those activities, but you, you hang out with these folks. So somebody in my life, somebody, one of the teachers saw something in me and told me to apply. So I applied. It took a couple of weeks <laughs> convincing my parents to let me go for a week <laughs> on by myself. And once they said I'm bored, I learned about you know A through G requirements. I learned that you know college is really accessible, and in those days, you know they they really tried to make sure that everybody went to college. And so I knew that uh, I was probably not going to make it to a four year university, and so. Um, I started asking questions about Hancock. And they said, you know, Hancock's a great school. You can always go there and then transfer. And so then I said, OK, so what do I need to do to transfer? And they're like, you need to get these courses, and you need to get them done in the two years. If not, you're going to stay there. <laughs> and so I did. I came with Hancock Um It it helped my parents out with my my sister because she's 11 and a half years younger than me. And I worked while I was here. And then I went to CSUN and I didn't work while I was there. I just went to school and then I graduated.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah. So, um, so you said you said you had a uh, a learning disability. It sounds like dyslexia, maybe um, something similar.
0: Some, it's not dyslexia, um, but I, I, it's just a, it's a general learning disability. So, when I write um, numbers, I do invert numbers sometimes. But also comprehension when I'm reading, I have to read things over and over again. Especially if they're in English, because my native language is in Spanish. Right.
1: So, uh, was that something diagnosed in your K twelve experience, or once?
0: Yeah, I was diagnosed in uh, K uh, K through five, and um, I didn't actually transition into English until eighth grade. I was kind of in Spanish bilingual ed most of Mm -hmm. my my um, first years of school, and then it didn't help that I went to school in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a couple years in Mexico and uh, when I was growing up as a migrant child, and so um, my real basis was in Spanish, but even in Spanish, I have um, some reading and writing
1: disability. So that, that's not an uncommon thing, right? And we're mm-hmm. starting to see now more and more people recognizing that, that, that that's an issue. Um, what were the things you had to do to adapt to that so that you could get to where you are today
0: yeah um a lot of it was a lot of reading and reading and reading the same paragraph a lot of times over and over again so i learned that um i learned better by listening to things so now that a lot of things are on audio i do audio or like even pdfs i have it automatically read to me um When I write, uh, I ask for, or test taking, that's really hard for me. So I asked for extended time in the learning center. And while I was in college, I asked for extended time during my tests. So normally students would get 30 minutes or one hour. I would get double the time. And so that really helped to... Ease the pressure of like, okay, now I can go read through questions that I don't understand carefully and then I can answer them.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. We, uh, you know, we, we really try now, and it's, it's transformational, right? Mm-hmm. That we start to see we're not testing how fast people can ask, answer questions. We really want to test for knowledge, right? We want to make sure people are learning. And so there's a lot of ways to get to that idea of, of have you learned the material? Have you mastered the material? So, um, you know your your example for our students is is tremendous. That if they, you know, are, are mindful and really think about what they're doing, they too can be successful. So that's a great story. Thank you. Um, so let, let's fast forward a couple of years, and <laughs> uh, and um, Larry Lair was on the board of trustees, and and he um, got an incredible opportunity to move to a really cool house in Buelton, and which was not in his district anymore. And uh, so he decided to retire, and um, you applied to go into that seat. Mm-hmm. And I think what's more interesting is your personal connection to Larry from before that time. So tell tell us about how you knew Larry Lair. The I mean, Larry was on the board for 26 years. So how did you know Larry before you became a trustee?
0: So um, when my mom decided to open her small business of cleaning houses, my mom. Um, got connected to some of the people that Larry knew, and so they, he ended up going to, she ended up going to clean their house. And so my mom was the babysitter, the, you know, the, House cleaning lady, and even then, everybody says she's not the housekeeper. She's not the house cleaning lady. She's our Juana. <laughs> like they really adopt my mom in 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 these families, and I'm really proud of my mom how she he, she's um, fostered these relationships with her employers. And so Larry knew me since probably when I was probably thirteen or fourteen. So I grew up, you know, knowing his girls and um, not close like, close, close, but I knew who they were, and I would, every once in a while in the summers, I would go help my mom clean, so I actually cleaned his house. <laughs> <laughs> and so then when he when he stepped down, I actually didn't even know that it was I keep keep I, I, It's pretty funny. I, and then I... I uh, Carmen called me and she said oh we're gonna release your name and you know and this is Larry's old seat and I was like oh, mom we gotta <laughs> call Larry <laughs> <laughs> so I, I called Larry and I told him you know thank you uh, I, I'm gonna apply do you have any advice and he gave me some advice he says you know just um, try to read as much as you can and learn what's going on on the board and and you'll have fun have fun with it yeah. And so, um, with my appointment, which was very amazing. I was the first person from Guadalupe in our history. Um, I was the youngest person person. So I even beat out Larry by eight months. Yeah, <laughs> And then we had a majority women board for the first time.
1: Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and, and he also made it a majority minority board, right? Yeah. So he, it's, uh, um, uh, it, it, it's great that our, our trustee board looks very much like our community. It's, uh, Uh, I think it's really reflective of, of, you know, what we would want a board to be.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, now you've been on the board for three years?
0: It's going on to three years. Going on
1: to three. So, what's the most fun thing that you get to do?
0: The most fun thing that I get to do is actually talk to students. And then when I know that things are happening um, in the college, I come and To these, like the grand opening of the um, Stagecraft building, right? That was really nice. Um, Some of the students, the theater students, got together with, you know, the actual people who do the sets and things like that, and they just support each other so well. And so I feel like we're creating families or support systems for these folks, and it's just amazing to see that. I also get to go to Trustee Development, and I see other colleagues. And I'm starting to see that you know young people of color are really trying to engage in in their civic duties to change what um, education looks like or what you know laws look like in their own communities.
1: So, um, what do you think your most important role is as a trustee?
0: I think my most important role as a trustee is to. Uh, support the college, and by, by the college, I mean students first, and you know, staff and and the college and learning environment. I also think that um, part of my my role here is to be a representation of someone like me who can make it. Um, I find that a lot of people don't have um, the force to or the willpower to admit. Of their learning disabilities, and I think it's becoming much more open. So I'm glad I'm part of that, you know, space of folks making it a point that even with a learning disability, even being a, a woman of color, that I can come and make change.
1: Great, that's fantastic. Um, so part of your career is is you're a a, a great advocate for social justice issues. Um, talk a little bit about how you see your role in Santa Maria as contributing to, to building a more just society in, in northern Santa Barbara County.
0: Yeah, um, wherever I've been, especially this last year that I've been in pro, uh, leadership of programming, um, in actually leading an organization, I feel like part of it is to, uh, you know, pay equity um, and then also uh, having people access the ability to access health care. To me, that's those two things are very important. Um, Unfortunately, fortunately, we live in the Central Coast and it's beautiful, right? (laughs) But our, but uh, our pay gaps are, you know, very large. And so, uh, whenever I have a chance to speak on that, or you know, say, hey, we we can compensate through through you know health insurance, then let's let's see how let's figure it out.
1: Yeah. So those are really important things that, you know, we look across. Um, I think, you know, your work with Community Partners in Caring is a good example of social justice here, right, for taking care of the senior folks. Why don't you talk a little bit about what it is they're doing?
0: Yeah, so Community Partners in Caring is a, a local nonprofit that's been around, for, we're on our 26th year in November. Um, and what we we do is we ask volunteers to either call a senior who's isolated, um take a senior to an appointment or, you know, go grocery shopping for that senior. We had a, a current situation where a, a senior had um, had her, her home flooded because a pipe burst. And so we were able to connect that senior with another agency in our community to provide that service. And so we're we're kind of bridging, and we're working with collaborating with other agencies to make sure that our senior population stays safe and they are able to age in their in their homes because that's what most of them want.
1: Yeah, and it's a safer space for them, right? If, as long as they're able to, you know, take care of themselves in that space, then it's great that you know your organization is working with so many others to make sure that you know people are eating the right meals and and getting transportation to doctors. It's it's uh, it, it's a real labor of love and. Uh, it it it's certainly something to be proud of.
0: Yeah, we we've extended our services to individuals who are uh, chronically ill, who have chronic illnesses, or people with uh, mild disabilities. So, if they're slightly having you know sight issues or hearing issues or things like that, we can actually support them as well.
1: Cool. So, um, you know, it, it's you know being a locally elected official now. It, <laughs> that does that seem kind of weird to you?
0: Yeah, it does. I when I hear it, they tell me, Oh, you're a locally elected official and I was like, Oh, that's right. I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, but you know, your position's a little different and we're fortunate that we have a board that understands the way colleges work and the way you know, by our own accreditation standards mm-hmm. is that you know it's different than being on the city council. In the city council you take the information from your community and you give it to the you know the city manager or the mayor, and you know it's 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 from the community to the city. And, and colleges kind of work differently than that. They work, you know. We we have standards we have to uphold under state law and under accreditation standards. And, and a lot of times, the role of the trustee is to explain that back to the community. Do you find yourself having to do that sometimes?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, it, I actually, there was a funny issue with the the building D that they we the one the one right by the, um, the offices in the front that <laughs> we had to just recently um, take down. Right, um, That building, a lot of people were like, well, why are they taking it down? Da-da-da-da-da. And I explained, I said, you know, that's something that was passed like 10 years ago when Measure High was passed. So, you know, you can't, we need to do it now because we don't, you know, the state is on us about making sure that we have appropriate buildings and that we give our our students the best that we can and we're too impacted and so I had to actually explain it and they're like oh I didn't know that that was you guys were just doing it random I'm like no (laughs) there's there's nothing random about what the board approves or anything like that also you know there's shared governance with you know the committees on campus really help us to to see what um students need and 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 then we you know, we rubber stamp them at the end.
1: <laughs> I don't. I, well, I, I would be careful to say you rubber stamp because I don't think I don't think our board does that. You, no. you guys ask some very hard questions, and, um, and and really, it's about the process. And I think that's when we try to talk to boards about what they should be doing. Most of those decisions are: Did you follow the process to get to this spot? Did people have input on campus? Did the students have input into this? Does this make sense? And and I think our board is very good at making sure that they've read the materials, understand them, and they've been engaged along the way for big decisions. So, so when something comes up where we are removing buildings, so you know, for for people listening, they may not know we got a beautiful new fine arts building and the Boyd Concert Hall that came with it, and the state contributed some money to that, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Part of the state's participation was, you know, we we came to the state and said we need your money because, you know, we have these old buildings and they, you know, they're they're it's really not feasible to keep them up to modern standards, and you know the building uh, building O that's on the north side of campus is not seismically sound. We need to. Pull these down, and then the you know the state says, okay, we're going to give you some money, but you have to do that, right? So, yeah. um, I mean, we, we could have kept buildings E and F instead of tearing them down, and we could have kept building O. But we'd have to give the state back twenty four million dollars. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, right? we're
1: not going to do that. We're so, not, yeah, uh, and, and they were. I mean, they were they were um, you know very difficult buildings to manage and maintain. The uh, uh, you know buildings E and F, the HVAC systems were inside the classrooms. So they were. It was just a really weird you know, 1960s design that they put in. So I yeah.
0: um,
1: appreciate the board having enough knowledge to be able to talk to the community mm-hmm. and say, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're doing what we promised to do when we accepted a whole lot of money from the state.
0: Yeah. I think that's, you know, um, and then the other part, I think that is educating people on the Brown Act, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have members of our community that go to our board meeting and we always welcome them it's, and then we hear them out and, we process what they what they hear unfortunately due to logistical reasons and um partly pro we can't really respond to them at that moment but um we're definitely keeping our ears open for for anything that um any of our students have right concerns about
1: well let's talk about more fun stuff what do you do um what do you do when you're not being a trustee or you're not at work uh what do i do when i'm not being a trustee
0: or not at work uh -hmm. I have a dog. Her name is Manchita. She's going to be two in December, and she's half Maltese, half Shih Tzu. So we go on walks, and um, I do a lot of bench-watching TV because I love to just sit in the quiet at home. (laughs) And recently, I just went to Disneyland. Oh, nice.
1: Nice. How long were you there?
0: I was gone. I left Friday, and I came back Sunday.
1: How many rides did you get on?
0: We got on all the rides. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> we did Disneyland Friday, and then um, Saturday we did uh, California Adventures, me and my boyfriend, and we had a, a wonderful time. And it was really nice.
1: So you're binge-watching TV. What are you watching that, uh, that you think nobody else is watching?
0: Um, so uh, that nobody else is
1: watching? Like a show, like you get done with that show, and, man, I wish I had somebody to talk to about that show with.
0: Um. Yeah, no, I I do a uh, Law and Order SVU. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished been watching the, from the beginning of first season to 20, 22nd season. Wow. Yeah, it took me about four, four or five months to do that.
1: That's a lot of crime.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of
1: crime. A lot of very specific, depressing <laughs> crime that you're... Uh,
0: you know, there's a, there's a thing out there that says that women like to watch, like, investigative shows and, like, uh, you know like the crime files and things like that. And I'm starting to believe it's true. (laughs) (laughs) There's this um, woman, her name is Bailey and She does makeup on Mondays and she does a a murder mystery makeup tutorial. And she just talks about a certain, you know, killer and serial killer and things like that. And so like, yeah, I think that's something that a lot of women watch.
1: (laughs) Well, it looks like, um, the, uh, Writer's Strike is over, so we're going to get some new shows. But most importantly, yes. we're going to get our hero back, right?
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: I can't wait to see Stephen Colbert again. So, you got to go see him live in New York, right?
0: Yes, I got to see him live with Hilda when we went to New York for our, our national conference. And it was amazing to watch him in, in person. He's very... You can tell that he's a genuine, caring person, although he's, you know, getting stuff together in between things. He he definitely does care about what he says. Yeah.
1: And so... It's potato. It's potato. (laughs) Everything is potato. Everything is potato. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Well... Uh, I think that'll wrap us up, if, because if, uh, um, you know, once you got to the potato, there's nothing else to talk about. No. So, uh, <laughs> so we're going to thank our our uh, our record-setting, groundbreaking trustee, Alejandra Nciso, for being with us today. Uh, I'm Kevin Walters, the superintendent president of A- Allen Hancock College, and we'll look forward to seeing you again on our next podcast.
0: Thank you. Bye. Thanks.
1: Thanks for listening to Hancock Conversations. Want to hear more? Listen to more episodes at
0: hancockcollege.edu slash podcasts or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.